who better to have a conversation with ahead of tonight's Browns-Lions matchup than the guy who produces great quality content for USA Today, a guy who produces content for both Lions Wire and Browns Wire. Jeff Risden joins me today. Jeff, how are you? My pleasure to be with you, John. It's, it's sort of my master's thesis tonight with my two teams going against one another. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, to the, to the world's colliding tonight. Yeah, now the Browns have already stated that they're not going to play any of their starters. Now, a lot of people are kind of wondering how they should take in this contest. For those that are listening, how should they watch preseason game four in regards to the Detroit Lions? You know, you are looking at the guys who are rookies, who are not your first-round rookies, not TJ Hawkinson, probably not Jelani Tavai, but the guys after that, the undrafted free agents, the holdovers, you know, the, the, the players who are fighting for roster spots, the guys who are trying to impress one last time so they can maybe get on the practice squad or impress another team and get on their practice squad. That, that those That's what this night is for. This isn't for Matthew Stafford and, and Taylor Decker and, and the guys who are established veterans. This is for the young guys trying to get one last good, impression on film before cut down day on Saturday. What position group do you think has the closest battle that people are watching? You know, I really want, I'm looking forward to the cornerbacks tonight. I think that, you know, between T's Tabor, Jamal Agnew, Amani Oruwarie, Mike Ford, I think two of those guys make the team and two don't. And I do think that that's still an open competition. I don't think the team has decided on that yet. So that's definitely one I'm watching running back. Are they going to keep Mark Thompson now, now that Zach Zenner is gone? Is he just placeholding for somebody else that's not currently on the roster? Uh, Thompson has a big night tonight. If he if he shows out, he's he's got a very good chance of making the team. I'm looking at, at the wide receiver depth. Can somebody please make a play behind the top three? They're going to get a lot of chances tonight. Guys like Brandon Powell, Chris Lacey, you know, Travis Fulgham, who's not looked good as a rookie. Somebody needs to step up there, and this is a great opportunity for them to do that. As well as the quarterback position, what do you make of the matchup there? You know, quarterback, I'm glad that David Fales is gone, uh, quite honestly. I'm hoping that we see enough of Tom Savage to, to ease a lot of people's fears. I happen to like Tom Savage. I think he's an upgrade over Matt Castle from what we got last year. It's, wh- what are we going to see out of, you know, does Luis Perez play much at all? Does he show enough to, to at least stick on the practice squad? He's an interesting guy. He's got a very live arm. He's got some athletic ability. He didn't have an offensive line at all in the AAF uh, or really in college. So he, he's, he's an interesting case. I hope that he hope that he looks good enough that we want to keep him around because he's certainly an intriguing story. You don't get many guys from Texas A&M Commerce uh, coming into the NFL. Now, in covering the Detroit Lions, sometimes there's always going to be a surprise cut uh, when Saturday happens around 4 p.m. when the final rosters do get down to 53. But were you surprised by the reaction of the fans when running back Zach Zenner was cut? I mean, there was a, a loud vocal, angry fan base, talking about a guy that became really popular. But, you know, bottom line, this was a guy that was going to be either a third or fourth running back at best on this roster. You know, it, the the reaction was crazy. I, I saw comments where, you know, people were comparing it to Barry Sanders leaving early, and it just blew my mind that people cared that much about the number four running back, a guy who, quite frankly, was not going to be a game day active most weeks. Uh, that's that's the hunger of the Lions fans. And I get, I get the love for Zenner. He was a, he was a, a very likable guy, did things that the way you want football to be played. Good dude off the field, very popular in the locker room, as you know, very popular in the media room too. Good, good guy. Uh, but he didn't really have a place on the team. So that, that, that was, that was a little shocking to me. The, the outcry over cutting Zach Zenner. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen when they cut a guy who's a little bit more, you know, 
more fresh. You know, a, a guy like like if Travis Fulgham, your your sixth round pick, doesn't make it. If Jalen T's Tabor doesn't stick around for another season, and I think that he's firmly on the bubble, and I, I I think he has a lot going on on what happens in, against the Browns because if he doesn't play well, I don't think there's any reason to keep him around. I wonder what the outcry will be for that. Uh, that that they, uh, that's that was that was crazy, man. The center reaction. I, I I appreciate that he's a fan favorite. I really do, and, and I like the guy. But come on, you know, get 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 a perspective grip there, man. <laughs> yeah, and everybody has to realize that Bob Quinn's job is not to fill the roster with fan favorites, but to fill the roster with talented individuals. They did go out immediately and bring in a new running back in James Williams. What does he bring to the table? Why was he brought to the Lions? You know, he is a receiving back. He, he comes from the Washington State offense where they use the run basically so their wide receivers can catch their breath from running fly routes all day. Uh, he's he's played against, with, with offensive linemen that take huge splits. Uh, if you've ever watched Washington State football, you know exactly what I mean. They never have a, they don't have a tight end on their on their campus. Uh, so so he is a, a threat out of the backfield in the way that Theo Riddick was. He's he's a little bit bigger than Theo. He's not as nifty, but he's faster and he's quicker to get faster. Uh, he, he's an interesting candidate. He he can catch a lot of balls. I believe he caught 86 passes last year, and and most of it is you know safety valve, circle route, things like that. He can make things happen. If he can make that first guy in space miss, he's a weapon. And I, I think he's got a very good chance to make the practice squad, honestly, uh, especially if he shows well tonight. Now, Jeff, a lot of people are talking about the Detroit Lions in terms of expectations. What's a realistic way of looking at the squad? Now, obviously, the roster has yet to be trimmed. But what's been your impression of the Detroit Lions throughout preseason and training camp? And what's a fair way to assess what you're seeing so far in the Detroit Lions and their chances of success in 2019? You know, I, I think the preseason has dulled people's impression of what this team is going to do. From what we saw in training camp, they have a lot more spice to their offense and defense than what they've shown in the preseason games. And I think that fans are going to be pleasantly surprised when that product rolls out in the regular season. I think it's been a, a deliberate attempt by Matt Patricia to not show much, to keep things under wraps. Uh, and it's been frustrating for fans. I get that. Uh, at the same time, I think that one of the things that we've seen is that the offensive skill positions uh, other than running back are, are really thin uh, quarterback wide receiver, even tight end. I don't think Jesse James has lived up to the hype that, of his contract yet. Um, and, and as awesome as Hawkinson is, he's only one guy. And I do think he's going to be awesome by the way. I, I think he's got a shot to set the NFL rookie passing reception record for, for tight ends, but uh, they are, they're going to be a tough team to play. They are not going to be an easy team to score against. I just see them having trouble outscoring the opponent sometimes, especially a, a team that can do more than one thing on offense. I think uh, I, they're going to be, I, I, as I, my, my standard line on it is that they're going to be a tough team to beat, but I think that other teams will be able to beat them. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I haven't gone through and, and put win, wins and losses on everything yet, but, uh, you know, six and 10, seven and nine, eight and eight, that, that seems like the ballpark range that they're in. Now, there's been heavy discussion regarding what really should be the role of the preseason in the National Football League. Some people are saying cut it down. Some people say that your starters should never, ever play. I mean, we saw two key injuries for the Lions in preseason game three. What's your take on what's the best way the National Football League can utilize the time before the season? Because I do think seriously that the talk has escalated and people are definitely going to debate whether you know the league should extend the year or should they drastically cut uh, the preseason 
season down to two or even one game. What's the best way you think to handle the preseason? Because a lot of injuries are happening and it sometimes ruins uh, the fans' expectations and really love of the game. Yeah, and you look at what happened with Detroit last week with Fiskiris, with, with Ragnow and Davis, and there was no point for them to be playing, honestly, that they've secured their jobs. They're, they're, they're veteran guys, you know, established in what they're going to do. I like the idea of having two games because I do think that the young, unproven guys do need a chance to prove themselves. So give me two preseason games. Give me two weeks where they have joint practices and, and more, you know, full contact in those joint practices. So the coaches know that, you know, okay, this, this is your game simulation. This is where you're going to get your starters fresh. No, we're not going to kill your quarterback and, and we're not going to, you know, you know, cut block your defensive end and things like that. But I, I like those ideas. I, I think that coaches have figured out that the joint practices are very useful. I think Patricia likes them also. Uh, and I think that's something, I think that would be a great way to do it. Have two full weeks where you're just going against, you know, one week against one team, then, then go home, you know, one on the road, one at home. And, and work it that way and have a, have a public scrimmage at a, like, like a local high school or, or, you know, college, you know, have it out in Ypsilanti at Eastern Michigan or something like that. Uh, let the fans in free to watch it, that type of thing. I, I would love to see that take the place of two games. Uh, but who knows what's going to happen with that? The, the NFL, the, the owners, they, they love to include those preseason games as part of your season ticket package. Um, I, I feel bad for season ticket holders that they have to pay for that. But the, the, the NFL doesn't give money up very often, as you know. You can't talk about the Detroit Lions without talking about QB1. Now, I'm sure you heard Michael Lombardi's comments. Uh, he said he talked to a source indicating that potentially Matthew Stafford is hurt. People are definitely observing the fact that his workload this preseason has been diminished. Give us your impression of Matthew Stafford. Do you think he's hurt? And what has been your impressions of Matthew Stafford in this preseason ahead of his 11th season? You know, I have not seen him show any indication at all that he's hurt. I do think he's lost a little bit of mass in his upper body, um, whether that's, you know, from the back injury, he just wasn't able to work out as hard. Um, but as far as throwing the football, running around, throwing on the move, I didn't see any limitations at all. I, I think that they're smart in not pushing him too hard um, when you come back from an injury. And, and I'll give an example of this. J.J. Watt came back too quick from a back injury a couple of years ago, and it really inhibited him. He just wasn't the same guy. When you get up into your 30s and, and to the age where Stafford's at now, you do have to be a little bit more conscious of those things. Your body just isn't as, as elastic as it used to be. So I don't have a problem with it at all. And I, I to, to Lombardi's point, I haven't seen any indication at all that, that Stafford isn't 100%. Can the Detroit Lions make the playoffs if Stafford is you know less than, let's say, stellar? Can the Detroit Lions, with that defense, with the additions, uh, with the talent that they have on offense, is... Do, does Matthew Stafford stir the drink for this offense in terms of getting this team over the hump? Can the Lions withstand, you know, maybe a, a dip in his performance? Not as bad as last year, but can d- does Matthew Stafford have to carry this team for them to get into the postseason? Yeah, that, that's a good question because we saw last year that the team clearly cannot win without him being really good. And he needs to be better than he was last year. Um, there were a variety of factors that go into that, that, you know, the Jets calling out the plays in the middle of the first game certainly didn't help him. That was that was something that didn't change throughout the year. Didn't have the, the best running support outside of Kerryon Johnson. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt getting 2.7 yards didn't help him. A lot of factors were bad around Stafford, but he also was bad. If he's the guy that we saw in 2016, 2017, the guy who led the NFL in comeback wins, who was Mr. Fourth Quarter, Mr. Clutch, that guy can get this team to the playoffs. They will have to stay healthy around him, though. They can't, they can't afford any injuries to carry on to Marvin, to Kenny, 
to TJ Hawkinson. Those guys have to play 16 games, and they have to be at the top of their game for 16 games for this offense to get into the playoffs. But, yeah, Stafford, he, he, he's definitely the straw that stirs the drink there. Now we'll get you out of here on this. I've enjoyed the conversation with Jeff Risden. Read his work. Great work. I read it every single day. LionsWire.USAToday.com. Now I've had the opportunity now to cover one team. You cover two teams. What are the similarities and differences of uh, covering a beat for two different NFL franchises? You know, it, it's it's a very interesting difference. Um, I, I am from Cleveland originally, uh, but I have been a Lions fan since Billy Sims wore number 20. I have the jersey to prove it, too. Uh, it doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> but, uh, mm. it, they're very different fan bases for being similar type cities. Uh, Cleveland fans, they don't Detroiters almost embrace the fact that, the, the, okay, the losing has been bad. It's been a long time. Um, Detroiters wear that as, a, as almost a badge of honor, and I can respect that, but Clevelanders are like, oh, my God, you know, when is the suffering ever going to end? And they are looking for every single reason to be positive every year, and every year they get their dreams dashed, um, and, and they bounce right back from it, and that, that, it's a very different thing. The media f- fuels that, too. Their media is so much more upbeat and optimistic, except for the people who deliberately go out and be negative, and they just don't get an audience. It's a very interesting difference from Detroit, because in Detroit, I do think that the the pessimism and the negativity sells better to to the fan base, because that seems to be more of the mentality, Um, whether it's, I I love the Chuck Daly quote, a pessimist is an optimist with experience. I think that that sums up the Detroit market very well. It doesn't sell up Cleveland as well. In terms of, you know, just the team, the Browns, you can walk on the sidelines during practice. You can talk to the players during practices, which you obviously can't do when we're relegated to the media tower in Allen Park. So there's a lot of a lot more access in Cleveland to the players, to, to what the coaches are thinking and that type of thing. Uh, I happen to like that. I, I, I like being close on that. Um, it, it, it just... It's just a good different in, difference in coaching philosophy. Obviously, it didn't work for Hugh Jackson, so you know who's to say that is right or wrong. It's just different. Um, Cleveland fans in general um, are a little bit more open to, I don't know, having things, having more hypotheticals thrown at them. Detroiters like their meat and potatoes. You know, Clevelanders will will you know throw in a little bit more uh, you know extraneous stuff. That the uh, I, I do the thing. The most read thing that I've written this week was Baker Mayfield shaving his mustache. If I wrote that about Matthew Stafford, nobody would give a damn. <laughs> There's a little bit of a difference there. And, I, and and from that, I really love the Detroit audience and the Lions fans for that because uh, I hate doing that crap, but uh, you got to pay the bills, man. <laughs> Enjoy the conversation with Jeff. I look forward to talking football with you in the 2019 season. Definitely check out his work over there at Lions Wire. You guys really do. A, your team there does a great job giving the fans insight, and I'm hoping uh, in this year to learn from you guys and to get to you guys' level. I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, thanks so much for having me, John. I appreciate it.